awesome church. Let's go ahead and give a hand for God. We're so thankful. Come on, let's give him some praise. Let's give him a shout. We're so glad you made it to church today. We know that God is up to something big. Go ahead and give your neighbor a high five. If you have children in elementary or pre-K, go ahead. You're dismissed to take them back to the room. Worship team, thank you so much. We're so thankful for you this morning. Well, we, uh, we obviously, obviously, you know, goodness. Chris, if you can just fix online, mute it online as well before everybody goes crazy at home. Well, we are, we are so grateful um, that you made it, and we know that parents are being dismissed, and uh, computers are getting reset, and everything else is happening, and so um, if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12. We're going to be there in just a moment, Romans chapter 12, and um, I know that parents are already uh, walking out, and they want to get back for the sermon, and so we, we will distract until we get there. I guess we're going to do that this morning. Uh, Chris, let me know if my headset's on. All right. Awesome. Well, come on, man. Hey, hey, how was Mother's Day? Mother's Day was good. It was a week ago. Did you forget about your moms already? And I'll tell you what, it's, uh, it would be uh, very advantageous, you know, if you did forget about your mom, you, it's not too late to get her something, you know, because uh, she always deserves love. For those who endured the rain, we're so grateful that you endured it. We are so grateful that you came this morning. I'll tell you what, it's been a challenge. Um, all things were challenging for sure this morning. Uh, we were on the way to church, Benson and myself, and as we were coming to church, we we stopped by uh, Merritt Coffee, where we normally get coffee for the volunteers and the team, and, and we pop out of the truck, and then when we come back to the truck, the keys are inside the truck, but the truck is locked. And so our, we were locked out, and the church trailer and all our sound equipment, everything was hooked up to the truck right there. There was no way to get that stuff out. It was horrible, horrible. So... Um, so we were, we were late. We were an hour and 15 minutes late this morning. But our team killed it, didn't they? They killed it despite that, even though we put the pressure on them and all those things. And so um, it, was, it was super grateful, super grateful for our team setting up quickly and really just responding uh, really quickly. So um, Chris is coming to talk to me. Let's talk, let me talk to Chris real quick. Hey, Chris. All right. Y'all give it up for Chris Peterson. It's, uh, it's been funny because as we, when we planted a church in 2014, we met in a movie theater, Kiebner Oaks there at Regal. And as we met there, um, it, we, we had a skeleton crew, to say the least. We had a bunch of college students that Austin was discipling on the college campus, a couple of community, um, like Octavian Keaton Walls and some other people who came and helped us who were just young professionals fresh out of college and 
And there we were trying to figure out church and setting it up, and, and it, was, it was a challenge to say the least. And then here we are relaunching in the Palladium, and, and uh, we have way more people participating and volunteering, and they're killing it um, so much so. But it's still, it's still a skeleton crew. We're still trying to figure out, okay, kids' ministry. We're still trying to figure out, okay, what does it look like to set up and tear down? And, and the thing is, is um, like our kids' ministry, you may know this. If you're here, if you're online, this is how it's been working is, We've dismissed kids right out of worship um, because our, we don't have enough kids volunteers to work every, every single month. And so it allows at least our, our team, our Luminous Kids Ignite team, to get some worship in before they go and minister to your children. And so we're so grateful for that. We are building. We are ramping up. We are believing that God is taking us somewhere in this church. Uh, we believe that people are being reached. We believe that lives are being changed. Well, we show up every Sunday believing that God is going to speak a word to you, that your life will never be the same because you showed up, that it was worth getting dressed, it was worth going out of the house, and it was worth coming here. We have fought every battle there is the last year believing that God was enthroned and he was fighting for us. We have uh, tremendously sought the Lord and have, have um, just said well, we're going to keep pushing through it. Forward. We're going to keep pushing on. There's been so many ba battles um, this last year. As you can recall, there's been political fights. There's been um, socioeconomical fights. There's been uh, fights with ethnicities and race. And there's been so many tensions. And we tried as a church to maintain the heart of God in the middle of everything that we've done. And as you know, we have um, also wanted to go above and beyond to love one another. To love one another, it's been our heart, it's been our cry, it's, it's what Brandy and I, we sell our lives out to love people the best that we know how. To look over offenses, to lay them down, to not carry them, but to bring just this forgiveness to the people who absolutely need it. And in return, we're asking and repenting and asking for forgiveness when we have erred in our untruths, in our ungodliness, and have acted out of the flesh and not of the spirit. We in this season have, have um, maintained a, a mask mandate in our church where we have asked you to wear masks, and we've just tracked along, okay, if this is what the CDC is doing, this is what their policy is, this is how they're moving, we've just tracked along with that, and and we've tried to go out of our way to love one another. I know that many people are tired. Of, they're like mask phobic, right? Anybody mask phobic in here? Praise God. Uh, where you're just tired of it. You're just over it. And, uh, and so we've been through all these tensions. And as you know, the CDC recommended um, some new guidelines as of late. And they said that um, if you've been vaccinated, that it's okay to um, not wear a mask in, in different settings. Um, they're still encouraging on airplanes and subways, I believe. Um, but they, they've just lowered the mask mandate. And so the question that I've been asked, and I just want to address us here, is what are we doing, Pastor, about masks? And, uh, and we just want to say that we're still encouraging masks to be worn. However, uh, we just adhere to our Palladium policy of Santico's, where it's just it's, it's recommended but not required. And so that's, that's what we're going to start living out here in this space as we worship, where it's recommended but not required. As you know, those who've been inoculated have been uh, able to walk around more freely. My dad has come to church for the first time in 14 months, praise God. And so um, 
Second time, he was here on Mother's Day. And so people are coming back. They're getting integrated into our society, coming back and getting assimilated into this environment. And I think that's so healthy and it's good and it's encouraging that we have that freedom. Uh, we are still, our luminous kids are all still wearing masks for the time being. Whether they're vaccinated or unvaccinated, we're asking them to wear masks uh, because you're taking your children to this space and you're unsure. And we just didn't want that mask fighting debate. And I just want to let you know, it's like it can be a debate, can it? Uh, where you have the uh, pro-vaccinators and the anti-vaxxers and they're all just after each other. And so we just said, everybody wear a mask if you're watching kids. And so that's what we're going to do. Um, but you may see a lot of our volunteer teams still wear their mask. You, obviously, this is a safe place. Uh, I see Cecile, who works in the hospital at university. She's wearing her mask this morning, an elder at our church. And so, so whatever you feel comfortable with in your level, um, we just encourage you to do that. Um, I would just uh, be mindful of that. If you're a church, and as a church, we are a church. As a church, as Luminous, and we're coming into these seats, um, if you see somebody with a mask, you may sit uh, one or two chairs away from them and not out of um, being unloving. I mean, be hospitable, but just out of consideration. You may do that if somebody has a mask. Just we're going to have to figure it out. It's a weird summer. Um, how many of you know last summer was weird? It was weird, man. It was weird. This summer is a little weird as well. And uh, I believe the weirdness is going to fade soon. So we are just going to help each other out. Try to bear with one another. In fact, it's really what I'm alluding to in Romans chapter 12. I'd love to pray as we dive into Romans chapter 12 and see what the Lord would want to say to us this morning. Father, we just thank you, um, Lord, as uh, the worship was sung this morning, as the teams set in place, God. I'm, Lord, so grateful. Um, just the alignment of song and message um, without any being communicated. Lord, I thank you for that. Thank you, Holy Spirit, how you move in that way. Holy Spirit, I thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, we don't want any, anything that is of us. We don't want anything that's manipulated. We don't want anything that's coerced. Holy Spirit, we want you. Uh, we want you. Uh, Lord, the church is under a microscope right now. People are watching it from all over. Um, there's been moral failure after moral failure in the church. And in the world this past year, there's been so many disappointments. There's been so many broken expectations. And I'm asking, Lord, that you would just come and, Lord, would you be our expectation? Father, would you be all that we need? Would you be all that we want? Would you be enough for us? God, we're throwing away our expectations. Lord, we have dreams, hopes, and desires that you have really called us into, but we're laying them down at your feet. Jesus, I pray that this morning would be a surrender of our agenda, and it would be laid at your feet. And would you reassign us rightly? Would you reassign us correctly in the name of Jesus? Amen. Everybody said amen. We have been in a series called by God, and... If you know anything about my life over the last 15 years of ministry, all I've been trying to do is encourage the church and encourage people of God that God has a plan for you. That God has called you, specifically you, to good works, 
has called specifically you to works of the ministry, to kingdom works, to kingdom impact, that you are called. So don't settle for anything less than God. It's all I've been doing over the last 15 years. It's what I pray that I do with my children is that I would let them know that they are called by God. And if they ever doubt it, which the enemy loves to come and bring doubt, that I would be there to speak encouragement and to speak life and to cast doubt out. I have to tell you, doubt is demonic when it comes to the kingdom. The word says it. The enemy casts doubt upon the truth of God's word. If you're doubting something about God and his goodness that's written in his word, that's spoken through his word, that needs to be cast out of your life. What does that mean, pastor? Is this an exorcist? Do I need to go to the priest with the collar and ask for some holy water? I don't know what you need to do. All I want to say and all I want to encourage is cast it out. Cast it out in the name of Jesus and say, doubt, get behind me. I'm coming in alignment with the truth of God's word. It's why we have to preach his word, why we have to disciple his word, why we have to help people understand his word, because the enemy is coming to snatch your destiny away from you. And I want to tell you, there's been disappointment in many of your lives. There's been mistakes there's been regret. There's been things that you have done or things done to you. But that does not by any means change the truth of God's word. It doesn't change it. You may be seeing it in a cloudy film. But I'm so thankful what Edgar said today that we fix our eyes on Jesus because he's going to start clearing some lenses in our lives. He's going to start defogging some of our glasses and windshields. He has called you, and he wants you to see your purpose clearly on the earth. You are made for purpose. There's a great purpose in you. This is why we're called by God. We talked about that we have to make a choice. We have to choose. If you missed that sermon, we have to choose. We have to decide that we're going to follow him and trust him. It's a choice. Come in alignment with that choice. Come in agreement with that choice. Start saying, yes, I want that. Talked about, you're called by God to be generous in your love towards the Father and your love towards others. That you're called to be a generous people. Talked about, we are called to be stewards of the things that God has put in our hands. And we hold them, I'm holding fists so tightly, but really we should be holding loosely the things that he's put in our hands saying, okay, Lord, it is yours. Hold these tightly and I will just try to my best to steward how you have directed and how you have said. Talked about what it means to be called by God to walk in a worthy manner of our calling. Which alludes to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, that we would walk in this way. That we are to walk in this worthy manner. This is our true act of worship. Hey, we worship. It's the way we live. This is what we're called to do. We have in John chapter 16, you don't have to turn there. 
but uh, Jesus is addressing his disciples. And, you know, you have the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and that's basically describing what he did and where he went. But then you have John, this gospel, which talks about who he is. And it gives us a great revelation of the insight of who Jesus is and his heart and his description. And you find him being so vulnerable and talking to his disciples as though he is also talking to us. In verse 32, it says this, Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. This past year has been a year of scattering, hasn't it? Well, we've been scattered and we've been going to our own homes. Jesus is specifically talking about the crucifixion here. He's specifically talking about how the disciples would forsake him as he was going to the cross and they would be scattered to their own regions and their own homes where they would find their safety and security, right? Because you always go back to the familiar when pressure comes. You always go back to that thing where, man, where was that home-cooked meal? Let's just have that. How many of you have been COVID eating? You know, you got your COVID belly. You got your corona tires and love handles. You've just been going back to your comfort food. You've been watching your comfort. How many of you watched The Office like 10 times this year? You know, you've been going to your comfort shows. You've been going to all this comfort in the middle of this because when the pressure is on, and when tribulation happens, we just want to be comforted. So we're looking for that, and the disciples scatter. They go to their homes. They're afraid. They sit there, and this is talking about the crucifixion. But there's a truth and principle that lies in this for us today as it was for the disciples. And it's this. You're going to be scattered when tribulation comes. You'll probably be scattered again. There's going to be moments when you go hide and all this stuff, but I want to tell you where true peace comes from. True peace, the peace that Jesus talks about, is knowing that the Father is with you. That the Father is with you in this moment. You see, you, you, you leave and leave me alone, yet I'm not alone, for the Father is with me. And I've said these things to you, that in me you, have made, you may have peace. You see, in me you'll have peace, peace knowing that you're not alone. Peace knowing that when tribulation happens, you're not forsaken. Peace knowing that when you are scattered, you don't have to just binge eat and binge watch, but you can actually absorb what God is saying to you and rest in your Father. And He's the one who's going to give you true peace, peace that surpasses all understanding is what He says. Peace. See, you are called as disciples, to have this peace. If you do not have peace in your life, it's because you do not know him. For anybody who knows him knows the Father also. And if they know the Father, they're not forsaken and they're not alone. He is with them. This is the peace that we have. The peace that we rest in the Lord, that he is there in the middle of our worst tribulation, in our most uncertainty. You see, when we go astray, as sheep go astray, when trials and tribulation come, 
It brings a lot of things to our life. It, it disjoints us. It brings disunity. It brings dislikes. And ultimately, when we're scattered, it dismembers the body. God's heart is for us to be unified, not dismembered. God doesn't want us to go in different ways and find fragments of his body scattered, limping around. But there's power when we're together. There's power when we know that he is with us. He is the one who is our provision. He's our provider. How many of you have ever been lost? Anybody been lost before? Been lost when you were a child? You know, uh, there's, there's moments I've been lost. Actually, lots of moments because I was kind of everywhere, a little ADHD, you know. Where's Ben? We don't know. I don't even know where I am. I was just lost. You may remember that moment. I want you to imagine that moment that you were lost. Maybe it was you were lost in direction driving. Maybe it was when you were a child and you were lost. We remember that moment, and that moment is panic and fear, isn't it? It's that moment where we just like, what will we do? How are we supposed to go about? But it's those moments, especially as a child, you may remember that when you hear your father's voice, when you find your father, what happens to panic? It immediately goes away, doesn't it? It immediately goes away. You find yourself comforted. You find yourself loved. You found, find yourself found. This is what happens when we know the father is he is finding you. You're finding yourself found by him. We are called to live in peace, and we live in peace when we know the Father. This is such a comforting verse because a lot of us are found ourselves lonely. And in our isolation, in our aloneness, you have to know that Jesus could have been alone as well, couldn't he? When all his friends, everybody left him, co-workers, family members, no one's answering your phone call at the worst moment of your life. But Jesus says, the Father's there. When the Father's there, I'm not alone. When you have this kind of peace, you can start being a blessing to others. That's the truth is, you're called to have peace, but you're called to have a peace to also be a blessing to others. Let's read in Romans 12, 14 through 18. It says this, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all, if possible. So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I love this verse because we are called to be a blessing to others. That we are supposed to enjoy the company with the lowly. See, it says associate with the lowly. Those who are down and out, those who have lost in their life, those who have experienced defeat, those who, you know, the woe is me people. Have you met the woe is me people? How many of you want to avoid the woe is me people? Like, you know, toxicity by association. They don't bring me down. Can't hang out with that person. They're always negative. They're always low. They're always bringing others down. Romans talks about 12, talks about Christian character. And, and we have Paul challenging the church to operate in a way that's different than how we want to operate. And in this moment, he says, well, weep with those who weep. 
but then associate with the lowly, those who are weak in spirit. Those who are low in spirit. Have you ever wondered, like, the person who is angry, the person who is maybe, maybe toxic, you think maybe they just may be a little low in spirit? Maybe they just may be a little defeated. Maybe there's something in their life that happened. Paul would say this, I want you to go along with them. I want you to, uh, the, the, the Greek um, would also say, I want you to lead them. I want you to go ahead and just take them, and I want you to help lead them out of their loneliness, if you will. There's a moment where we need to come alongside of one another, where we need to help one another, encourage one another, because there's a lot happening in people's life. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of maybe they're lonely. Maybe there's something that happened in them. But we need to move in a place where we're going to bring them up and bring them out, that we need to be a blessing to them. You may remember that verse, and it says in Romans 6, it says, bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you. Wait, is that what it said? That sounds good, doesn't it? Bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you. No, Jesus was flipping it, right? He said, bless those who, come on, participate. Bless those who curse you. And he doesn't even go further. He doesn't even say curse those who bless you. Yeah, that, would, that wouldn't make sense at all. Thank you. Bless those who curse you. There's so many insults thrown at you just because of who you are. Are you blessing others? We are made to be a blessing. We're made to be a blessing and go out of our way to be a blessing. I want to tell you, lowly people... You have to go out of your way to bless them. You have to go out of your way to come alongside of them. You have to come out of their way when they're down in spirit to bring encouragement to them. You have to do this, that we would bless them. We're called to be a blessing and to start blessing others. What does blessing mean? Blessing means that you would encourage them so much that they would find joy and happiness restored to them. That you would say, man, I bless you, right? That's what we do. When we bless God, we praise him and we glorify him and we give him adoration. And when we do, we find that he is actually reciprocating that. He's loving it. He's loving when his children, when his church praises. He loves that you came this morning for corporate worship. He loves this morning that you're here and you're just blessing his name. And when you're blessing others, watch what happens in somebody's life. It starts moving and you're finding joy and happiness restored to them. The hard part is hard to bless others, isn't it? You ever found it hard to bless somebody you don't want to bless? Have you found it hard where when somebody does you wrong to actually bless them? All we want to do is curse them. All we want to do is take vengeance. All we want to do is make things right in a society and a world where justice needs to be brought up and we need to fight for justice. We need to remember that our war is not against flesh and blood, but our war is against the principalities, darkness, and evil around us. Instead, 
that God created that person. Am I going to bless them? Oh, I want to curse them. Oh, I want to cuss them out. But the Lord said, bless them. The reason we withhold blessing is because when you bless somebody, it restores happiness. When you bless somebody, it starts restoring joy to them. When you bless them, you think you're condoning what they did. Blessing isn't giving them permission for their wrong. Blessing is giving them the ability to feel the love of Jesus like you feel the love of Jesus. You deserve a blessing. You deserve to be loved. I know I don't. When I showed up an hour and 15 minutes late to church this morning with a trailer, I'm telling you what, man, I was ready for a line of worship team to cuss me out. You know, they're just going to all curse me out. Oh, man, Pastor Ben, I didn't even get to practice. Oh, man, I didn't get to practice my part. Oh, man, I didn't get to practice my drums. Oh, man, I didn't get to practice this. I'm going to sound so bad. I'm going to look so bad online because online hides nothing. Where's the effects? Where's the reverb online? We don't have any. It's raw. And everybody's seeing that. And they're seeing more now because Pastor Ben showed up late. I don't deserve a blessing. You know what our church did? Our team did? They were in a line not ready to curse me, but to bless me. And they said, hey, man, we're going to throw in, we're going to help, we're going to go, we're going to fight, we're going to do all this stuff. I'm going to tell you, what happens here on a Sunday, the setting up and tearing down, the rubbing shoulders, the greeting, the welcoming, the coming, all this stuff is just a glimpse of what we do every day, of how we live every day. And I need my church family to show up and to bless me when I come late. Because I'm telling you. Man, I can a lot of times be the guy who was forgiven and go choke somebody else out. You know that guy? It's in the Bible. The guy forgiven is so much. Somebody owed him just a little. What does he do? Rings his neck. No grace. No love. No mercy. You know, we're a church to be a blessing to one another, to encourage one another restore joy and happiness to one another. Find somebody lowly, build them up, encourage them. Maybe they need a little rebuke. Maybe they got a little doubt, unbelief, operating in fear. You need to say, man, that's not God. You need to stop it. Love you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to believe that you're going to overcome them. We need a paradigm shift. Romans 12, 19. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy, enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We need a paradigm shift. A paradigm shift. There's all sorts of paradigm shifts that happen in our life. Usually there's one great paradigm shift that happens within a generation. 
You may remember there's a world war that happens. It was a paradigm shift where all of a sudden culture, society, economics changes. The Great Depression was a paradigm shift. My, my grandmother, I mean, goodness, so frugal, right? Anybody from that generation was so frugal because there was a paradigm shift because they didn't have anything. It, it changed the way that people were just spending in the roaring 20s partying up like nothing, just letting it go. And then the Great Depression, and it was a paradigm shift. We see 9-11 was a paradigm shift. Where all of a sudden, we saw the world differently. Airports changed. The way we interact changed. The way we see different religions changed. Everything changed. Our paradigm shifted. And we are in the middle of another paradigm shift with COVID-19 where our world will not be the same. Two paradigm shifts in one generation can drive a person mad in a society crazy. The greatest paradigm shift that we should ever have should be the one when we were dead and we were lost, but now we're alive and we're found. You see, that's the greatest paradigm shift that should ever happen for the believer. And it lets us love differently, act differently. It lets us see people differently. We start blessing our enemies. We start blessing those who are lowly. We start walking alongside those who are hurting. We start saying, hey, I know what it's like to be alone, but I found somebody. I found somebody. His name is Jesus. You say you'll never be alone. You want to know him. Do you want to meet him? Do you want him to be your Lord and Savior? Do you want him to change your life? Past week, I picked up an oven off a Facebook marketplace for a friend, and I was going to drop it at a house that he has. I take this oven, and I'm, I'm getting this oven, and I'm taking it to this house, and there's nobody there to help me unload this oven. It's going to take my friend two hours in traffic to get me there to unload this oven. And all I want to do is get home to my family. You remember those moments? You know, all I want to do is get home and be there. I don't want to be in the doghouse. I don't want to sleep on the couch. I don't want Brandy mad at me. I don't want to miss playing Legos with my boy or dog with my girl. I'm just ready to get home. So I was like, I'm going to go knock on a neighbor's house. I'm going to pay him five bucks, have him help me. So we knock on the neighbor's house. Guy answers the door. I can tell he's elderly. He's not going to help me very much. He said, hey, the neighbor across the street, he's a real nice guy. Go talk to him. So we go over there. I go, hey, man, pay five bucks. Come help me. Goes on his shoes, comes, helps me. We unload it. Then we start talking. And I realize it's a God moment, not a Ben moment. You know those moments in your spirit where this person's lowly. We started talking, and he lost his mother that year in January to this year. Name's Pete. He starts telling me how he lost his mom and starts just talking to me about different things. And he is just like a fountain, just overflowing. The Lord drops my heart. Pete's lonely. Needs to re meet the Father. 
needs to know that he's not by himself. So I talked to Pete. Starts confessing, yeah, I made a decision for Christ. Man, this pandemic, this paradigm shift. I've been so isolated, on disability, alone in my house, going crazy. Starts confessing things to me. It's like, I don't even know why I'm telling you this stuff. I haven't told anybody this. And I have the opportunity to pray for him. Pray, my father, his father, come and be present. Lord showed up in that moment. Lord showed up for Pete. Changed his life in a moment. He says, somebody hasn't prayed for me in seven years like that. Seven years. I believe that God showed up to Pete. And he met Pete where he was. I believe that God can do that for you too. You're lonely. You're abandoned. Feel forsaken. Yes, COVID is a paradigm shift, but maybe you need a true paradigm shift. You're called by God to live at peace. You're called by God to be a blessing to others. You're called by God to realize you no longer live for you, but now you live for him. Share his goodness. I want to pray for you. If you bow your head and close your eyes this morning. to tell you, maybe you're like Pete. Maybe you're here at the Palladium, you showed up, but you're feeling alone and isolated. Or maybe you're at home watching online and you just haven't had enough courage to go anywhere. Maybe you're not able. I want to tell you that our God created relationship. He wants relationship with you. He doesn't want to leave you, and he's not going to abandon you. He wants to restore you. He wants to bring you up. Jesus died a death on the cross, taking our sins, taking our place, taking our punishment. And he died that death and was buried. He stayed dead for three days. But by the power of God, he raised from the grave. He reigns in heaven, proving that he has life over death. For all those who confess and believe in him will have life forevermore. And will no longer be alone, but are now found. This is you, beloved. This is you who are asking God to change you and shape you and renew you. This is you saying, I'm tired of going my way. I repent of doing it my way. Jesus, I trust you. I'm going your way. Thank you for salvation. Lord, here I am. Hand extended. The word would say his hand's not too short to save. He's picking you up. Grabbing you. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would vividly grab people right now. Hold people. Hug people. If there's anybody alone, 
giving them a hug from heaven. Let them know that they are loved. Love them. Remind them. Whisper. Love them. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name.